0: Father God, Lord, I thank you, God, for today. Lord, I pray, Jesus, for each person here that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to our hearts in unique and different ways. Lord, that this message would challenge us in different ways God would encourage us in different ways but ultimately God that your name would be glorified in amongst the lives that we see represented here in the community of Sai Kung in our work communities and the different worlds that we live in and inhabit God Lord I just pray that your name would be glorified God through our lives Lord I pray that you challenge us and you encourage us, God, that you take us, God, to another place, to another level. That actually, when we leave here, we leave here different. We leave here with a different, with a different picture, God, of you and this life of, as, as a Christian, God. This life that you have called us to, God, in your great and awesome name. Amen. So, guys, um, I just want to start by telling you a story. And it's not one of mine. I'm doing one of those, like, sermon-stealing stories from somebody else. So, this is a story that... Um, Andrew Owen, who he's the guy who launched Destiny Ministries years ago in Glasgow, and um, he tells this story of one day he gets home, and I guess he's been doing some ministry thing, and he comes back into the house, and he's there, and he's getting ready for bed and everything like that, and he just feels God say, go to this chippy, this fish and chip shop, and I mean, it's not close, it's maybe a 20 minute drive, something like that, go to this fish and chip shop, it's like, it's like 11.30 at night, no way, and then, so he starts going up the stairs, and he's going to bed, and, and God says... Go to that fish and chip shop. And he's just like, that's a crazy idea. And so he carries on and he gets into bed and he lies down. He lies down in bed and closes his eyes. And then God says to him, don't think you're going to get to sleep tonight. Go to this fish and chip shop. And he says, fine. Okay, and he gets up and he goes downstairs and he, he goes and he gets in the car and, um, and he drives to this fish and chip shop and he walks into the fish and chip shop and suddenly there's this voice that says, Andrew. And he turns and it's this guy he recognizes. And he goes over to speak to him and this guy has been in like the worst place that he's just about ready to commit suicide, just about ready to kill himself. And he, he, caught, he said to God, he's just saying to God, God, if you're real, I remember meeting this guy, Andrew, and he said that you were real, and he, he said that he knows you. And, you know, if you're real, I'm going to this fish and chip shop. Send him to come and speak to me. Wow. And, he, and Andrew walks through the door. So I just love that story. It's this thing of even amongst the challenges of life, and like, man, I'm so tired. There's this availability in Andrew to say, okay, God, I can hear you. I'm going. And he goes, And who knows how many lives, that guy's life was impacted, right? How many, who knows how many lives through that guy would have also been impacted. So today's title is Available. And the question is, are we available to God? And uh, as we've been going through this Acts series, and we've just been, we've just been going through Acts 8, seems like quite a while, but we've been going through Acts 8, and um this, this is this time where Philip you know, flees, Samaria, sorry, flees Jerusalem, goes to Samaria like we were speaking about last week and see many people come to faith. And then this is now the story, the section we're looking at today is 26 to 40. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch that we're going to go into. So I'm just going to read this story to you guys. Okay, I'm reading from the NASB. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasures, treasury of Kandike. Kandike, I know know how to say that one, Kandike or something like that, Um, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man has gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led Like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of of, of my, of my being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water... The spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So, and so I, wonder, I, always thought, I wonder if Philip was dry when he got there, if he just turned up somewhere drenched. No, anyway, um, Let's look at the context and a little bit about what's going on here, a little bit of background to get a, to get a feel of what's going on. Because it's so important to see into the Bible and what, what, what's actually going on behind the surface. So imagine with me for a moment what's going on here and where does the story start? The story starts in Samaria, doesn't it? Philip is still in all this stuff that we've been speaking about. He's still in Samaria. But all, that, all those things that we've looked at over these past couple of weeks where he's gone to this city and he's seen people coming to Jesus, amazing miracles, many people getting healed, many, he, many people having demons cast out of them, that incredible kind of magician of that city even, it was just so amazed at what was going on there, that he, even for wrong motive, he was trying to pursue this power of God, this Jesus. And then the apostles show up and start praying for people and filling people with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes in the Bible, we can just read sentences and a lot of stuff that's really unnecessary isn't written, okay, otherwise it would be super long. But... Think about their, their kind of time together. As the apostles turn up, they probably didn't just turn up and say, Hello, Philip, we're here to fill people with the Holy Spirit. where are point us in the right direction. They probably rejoiced as well. They probably said, Philip, this is awesome. Well done. Like, well done. That, that, that's, it's amazing what God's doing in this place. Isn't it great? You know? For Philip, it's this moment of great success of in some ways greatness. You know, he's just, he was a normal guy appointed to be one of the seven distributing food and then persecution breaks out and he flees and sees this amazing stuff happen in this city. He could have stayed, couldn't he? He could have felt, mm, you know, actually there's a load of people here who we've seen come to faith. Maybe this is a good chance to like build this following. Let's start a church here. The city of, the city of Samaria church branch you know that would be cool and like there's so much stuff that he could feel like maybe I should actually these guys are looking to me in some way that we've seen some amazing things happen I could maybe stay here and be a leader of men but you know what he's so attentive to God he's so available to God that what does he do he hears from God he listens the angel shows up he listens and he obeys and God sends him out where does he send him He sends him out to the desert. And I just, again, just words we read in the Bible, just like, okay, that's the story. But imagine what's going on in that moment, what's going on in him. Imagine being sent from a city of thousands of people coming to faith, incredible miracles where this has all happened as a result of you showing up in this place and your ministry in this city to where God is telling you, go to this desert road. It's not even a city in the desert. It's like, go to this stretch of road in the desert. And I just think, wow, you know, that's pretty tough. Go to the desert road. And that's all the info you get. Go to the fish and chip shop. You know, it's not go to the fish and chip shop, because it's really important, because there's this guy there waiting for you. It's go to the desert road. And just kind of get your head around that for a moment imagine being Philip in that time hearing that put yourself in his shoes where some people may be like even though there's an angel there right uh are you sure that's what God said are you sure because this looks really good what's going on at the moment why leave all the success to go to this desert road it can't be that good How many of us are available enough that we would leave enjoying success to go to the desert road? And this is just this beautiful picture of Philip's ministry, that his ministry isn't one of his own. It's not of his own doing, but that it is a ministry of Jesus. It is Jesus's ministry that he is walking in, that he is not a minister for himself and his kingdom, but a minister of him and his kingdom. So Jesus calls Philip from the city where loads of folk are getting saved, most likely getting some attention. Those guys, it's not like they were kind of, oh, this is a bit weird. There's all this weird stuff going on. They'd seen incredible stuff for Simon, the, the sorcerer. They'd seen him doing amazing things, and they'd called him the great power of God. You know, they, were, they probably in some way had this kind of, oh, actually, this guy, Philip, he's, he's someone special. Jesus calls Philip from the many who are being saved, to just the desert road where there's just one person to be saved. And for us today, that's both the great challenge and it's also the great hope. You know, it's a challenge because as followers of Jesus, you know, it isn't about us building something huge and massive that people in the world like Clapton say, well, that's amazing. But it's about, it's not about building our kingdom, but it's about building his kingdom and remembering all the time that it is for him And his kingdom. But at the same time as that challenge, it's also our great hope because we know that God's heart is that He would leave a city of people who've come to faith, send one of amazing key guy just to go out into the desert to find one person who is looking for him, one person who is seeking him. And so imagine what's going on here in the story. Imagine the emotions, the kind of, what on earth is going on, God? I'm going, but you know, I need to skirt around Jerusalem because they were trying to kill me there, and so I've left. So Philip literally has no idea where he's going. He has no idea, well, he knows where he's going, but he doesn't know what he's going into, except that God is doing something. And I want to encourage you guys, for us in this age of Facebook and Google Maps. And, I'm a planner. I love to plan everything out. You know, so what do you call it? Like Google Map the walk through a city. So I've been here before and do it. I just love to plan things. I'd rather go somewhere, do it, and then take someone else to enjoy it. You know? But actually, guys, we can learn from this that our life in him is completely different. Are we ready to walk out into the unknown? because God's called us to do it and so Philip goes and then he meets this guy on the road so this is kind of the other half of the context is this the this Ethiopian eunuch he meets this guy on the road and he isn't just any guy is he it's not just like some random bloke that he meets he meets this guy and think of this scene that's going on he's sitting in a chariot He's reading aloud, as is the Eastern custom. They still do it in the East today. So he's reading to anyone who's around him. And he, he's the only guy mentioned, but there would have been other people there. He's not got like a self-driving chariot, you know, kind of steering with my feet. And let, he's a high-ranking official. He's, he will have had at least, at minimum, a chariot driver. It's a journey of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. Most likely, there are some kind of guard that's traveling with him as well. So that maybe helps picture the scene slightly more of what's going on. So this man, he isn't just any man. He is an official over the queen of Ethiopia's treasury. It's like the finance minister of Ethiopia. It's kind of like, I don't know, us going, God's saying to go somewhere and you meet the finance minister of Indonesia or something like that. It's a serious, serious position. So politically, he's very high. And yet Philip himself is just a normal guy. But he is a child of God, and he has this incredible encounter with the eunuch that doesn't just change him, but ends up changing a nation. And so through their dialogue that we see this high-ranking official humbles himself, this high-up guy, and asks Philip, and he shows his character in a way because he asked Philip to teach him. In verse 34, it says this. It says, "Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else?" And it speaks to the eunuch's character because he's got great humility. But also, if you look at it from the point of actually one of, probably a very educated guy, you know, one of the highest ranking officials within that empire asking a normal guy that you've met on the road to teach you something deep and intimate to you. The point is that when we're available to God, God can take us to people and places that you've never dreamed of because we're available to him. See, Philip leaves the crowd, doesn't he? He leaves the crowd and lots of stuff going on and he goes to a desolate place not knowing what on earth he's going to find there. And there he meets this high-ranking official of this far-off empire. And eventually this... This, uh, the eunuch the comes to a real saving faith there, he gets baptized, and he goes back to Ethiopia to spread the gospel, to lay a foundation work, actually. For Matthew, Matthew's actually the one who goes to Ethiopia further, further in time, and he, further in time, it sounds like it's time travel, further down the years later, and um, he really heads up the growth of the church there. And one of the early church fathers, speaking about the Ethiopian eunuch, the church father, Irenaeus, um, in the second century, he says this about the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, this man was also sent into the regions of Ethiopia to preach What he had himself believed. That there's there's this beautiful thing that actually in our availability, sometimes we're only getting sent to one person. But that one person can be the gateway to see an entire nation transformed. So be available. And I just want to highlight a few things to you guys. There's a map. Um, here, just because when we say Ethiopia, as soon as I say Ethiopia we'll probably, nearly all of us will go and we think of Ethiopia, right? That's not the Ethiopia in the Bible, it's not the Ethiopia of the New Testament, so that's a, a state that was created later on. So, Jerusalem here, um, Gaza's out here and this is the, the road that they're on, so it's around here that they, they, uh, they have their meeting on the desert road through, through here and um, so his, his journey, actually, is coming all the way down to here. So how he went, I don't know whether he went down the... Well, up, probably not up the river because the river flows that way. But how, how he did it, I, I don't know. It's not so important. But I just want you guys to see this, that Ethiopia isn't quite as we, we know. And I think these kind of pictures can really help us in our understanding of Scripture. So actually, Ethiopia in the Bible has another name. It's often called this. It's called Cush. In the Bible. You've probably heard, like, when you read the Old Testament often, the land of Cush, the land of Cush, these kind of things. This area is named, named after the grandson of Noah, Cush. There was Noah, Ham, Cush. And his other son, Honeybaked. That's Ham's other son. Um, and so that's this kind of people group that, that, start, that s- start there. And at the time of Jesus, what's going on? Um, is this, this kingdom which ran from like the first cataract around kind of Aswan area, which is kind of around here further south, was this, this other kingdom that kind of intermingled a lot with Egypt. We see them with Egypt a lot. There's a time when this kingdom actually took over Egypt. And at the time of Jesus, these guys, they, they have this dynasty that's going on called candice or Candis, whichever translation you're, you're reading. And it was a dynasty, ladies who like this, of like female rulers who, like Pharaoh in Egypt, was the, like the leader. Whichever Pharaoh you're speaking about, say Pharaoh, that Candis isn't the name of a leader. It's the name of like Pharaoh, of this female ruler of the dynasties that, that were down there. That, and it's down here that Matthew ends up coming to. So I just think those kind of things, it's a little aside, but it's maybe a good picture for when you kind of go through, read the Bible, study the Bible, these kind of things. It's another picture in the, the map of Scripture. And, you know, this picture begins to give us this, an image or a picture as the gospel's beginning to spread. Remember, we said last week, from Jerusalem, or two weeks ago, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the outer ends of the earth and we see the gospel in in Jerusalem and then there's the persecution and they spread to Samaria and then it goes to the outer ends of the earth okay there are within this story three key things that I just want you guys to take away from today three key lessons for us and our lives number one is an available heart we learn this from Philip and his life Available heart. So Philip has an available heart. He's listening to the Spirit, and in the midst of his ministry success, his heart is available. It can be so easy to get distracted. His heart is available to God, and God sends him an angel to speak to him to say, Okay, go to this place. God can send you angels, God can send us angels to direct, send signs, but if we aren't available, nothing will ever happen you remember kind of um it's not an angel but it's the word of the lord goes to jonah and jonah's like huh and then just runs in the other direction because he doesn't want to do it he doesn't have an available heart to god so an available heart even if an i tell you even if an angel showed up and spoke to you and asked you to do something if your heart isn't available you won't do anything so you remember back to that, we spoke to a couple of weeks back, he flees Jerusalem, doesn't he? He flees Jerusalem. And in that moment, I said, that's a common sense decision. He doesn't need an angel to turn up to say, if you stay here, you're going you, you to die. You need to leave. And so he leaves in, in the spirit of wisdom, going to that perfect place. See the other sermon for that. But I said in that moment he doesn't need an angel to show up but in this time he does need an angel to show up because this really doesn't make any sense whatsoever it's not like you know i feel the common sense thing is to just to leave this place right now and go to this random road in the middle of nowhere he needs a directive word he needs an angel or god to speak to him very clearly just to pick up and move down there but and we read these things and can read, okay, it's the angel here and he's spoken to him. So he goes, but it's so easy to forget in the midst of that, the importance of the availability of Philip's heart. You know, sometimes we can feel God leading us down paths which just don't seem to make any sense. And we're like, God, I can't see what you're doing through this thing. I'll do it, but I can't see. And it, you know, it may not be an angel. You may just feel this, this sense of God saying something to you. And you may then, we'd be praying, to kind of have confirming words into that. You know, a story about us coming to Hong Kong, we had two key prophecies about moving to Hong Kong. In fact, we wouldn't have ever left had we not had directive words confirming what we were feeling. And the first one was we were feeling really much about China. We were feeling Hong Kong, but also China was a big part of our conversations as well. And it was in this moment we told nobody And we were stood there, and this guy prophesied over us, and he said, and he's a very prophetic bloke, and he said to us, Guys, I don't really understand at all what this means, but I saw a Christmas tree, and on top of the Christmas tree, there was this massive star. And on top, and next to the big star, were these four smaller stars. Means stuff to you guys right but for him like meant nothing didn't even mean anything to me but it meant something to Jess because I couldn't I didn't picture the Chinese flag at that moment but obviously you know that's the picture of China and the Chinese flag and then later on when folk had found out at one of the big conferences there was a prophecy given from the stage at the, kind of, one of our annual conference or the annual conference and the word was this it said Destiny Church Hong Kong you will be like a fragrant harbour in the city, pouring forth the fragrance of the living God. And we went to the guy afterwards and we said, do you, like, do you know what Hong Kong means in Chinese? And you see this on the vision video, actually. Do you know what it means in Chinese? And he said, no, I've absolutely no idea. And we, so we shared, no, it means fragrant harbour. And that's become foundational in the vision of the church, the image of harbour. But then also, that was just such a confirmation that God's saying, even though we have no idea, no jobs no nothing you know go and so we came so do we hold what we're doing with the diligence of honoring God but also so lightly enough that we're available to God for him to move us and reposition us somewhere else in an instant you know that's a challenge for me and Jess in a sense that we constantly will live with because we put everything into this you know it takes a lot of energy and effort to do to launch a church it's like the hardest thing i've ever experienced put more time into it more money into it more thought and love into it than anything i can imagine but i also have to challenge myself that if he ever said one day you need to hand this to somebody else this person needs to lead this work now and i need you to go here that i'm holding it lightly enough that I would also let it go. Because it's his church, it's not my church. That he is God. And you know, if I would say, no, it's my church, so I'm building this thing, you know, I'm building it for you God, But I won't let it go. That actually, the church is my God. He wouldn't be my God in that moment. So we have to have available hearts. Open ears and available hearts. The second point is this. It is... Do we have a willingness to obey, trust, and step into the unknown? Key part of that is not just a willingness to obey and trust Him, but it's also a willingness to step into the darkness, to step into the void. Because it's you know, it's one thing to say, God, you know, I'm available to you, use me. And God says, Go do this. You say, Great. Tell me how it's going to pan out. I just want to know that before we take one step. And actually, within our availability, within our willingness. We need to be ready to step into places where we have literally no idea what's going to happen when we get there. Go to those desert roads. Walk into the darkness. I want to share something very personal um, with you guys today of two visions which are very kind of foundational to me and like my life and this ministry. And so in 2016, I had a vision when we were back in the U.K., during a moment of worship, and I just had this vision of being completely surrounded by darkness and on the edge of a giant abyss, like a huge abyss, massive, like a massive, but like a hole, but just huge, like very round and very deep. And there was darkness all around, like... Where you can just about make out someone who's about here. And uh, this darkness, it wasn't a scary kind of darkness, but it was this darkness, a bit like it mentions in Kings, you know, where it speaks about, Oh Lord, you've said that you would live in a thick cloud of darkness. And God was just saying, Jump and jump into this abyss and fall and jump. And it felt like this invitation just to jump into Him, jump into this kind of unknown of Him. And so in this vision, Jess was there, Eliana's there, and in this vision, we ran and we jumped and as we fell I just felt exhilarated and excited and happy and just this amazing feeling and I just felt God really saying you need to quit your job to leave to go full-time in ministry that was this step that I felt God was calling us to in that season and not easy you guys know it took me like a year to get to that to that point of really letting go really falling um it wasn't till 2017 we started doing that in the summer a year later but the amazing thing was as we were falling in this vision the vision ended and it reminded me of a vision as well So like God's ended it and started speaking to me about this other vision I'd had when I was 16 years old and when I was 16 years old I had this vision that when I had it I just knew it was to do with my life and to do with what God was calling me to do to do with my destiny in a sense and I didn't understand it then But the amazing thing is that that vision starts in darkness as well. And it starts... And I'd completely forgotten about it because it was years ago. It starts in darkness with me falling through darkness. And so it's almost like that one that I had in 2016 was the beginning to it. And so we were falling in darkness. And uh, as we fell through this darkness, I sensed there were people around me. And I feel, I believe it's like you guys and people on this journey with us. And we were falling and falling. And then as we came to the bottom of this space... Our feet just came to rest, you know, it's like slowed down, and we came to rest in the bottom. And it was still darkness and sense, people around. And then one by one, little lights began coming on just around, as far as the eye could see. Little lights began to spark until they all came together and made this huge, incredible Light. And so that's the adventure that we're on. And I just want to encourage you guys in that, not from a place of, guys, you know, jump into the void, jump into the darkness, but also like, I'll do that with you guys. We're doing that right now. Come and join us on those kind of adventures. Let's live that life. And, you know, sometimes God's going to call us into the unknown, to jump into the unknown. It may not be as dramatic for some people and stuff like that. That's, that doesn't matter. See, We have to go and be willing to jump into that place of just complete unknowing. And then when we're there, be willing to obey. You see, it's this keeping on being available, this keeping on being willing, this keeping on being, okay, God, yeah, I'll I'll do that. And it seems a bit much. It seems a bit tough. But if you think about the situation with Philip, it would have been absolutely pointless If he was willing to go to the desert road, but he was too freaked out and not willing to go and speak to the guy, to go and share the gospel with the guy and speak to him, it would have even been a bit pointless. You know, Philip was kind of willing to go and speak to him and share with him what he knew in his mind, but actually was like, "Oh, sorry, I'm not going to baptise you. I don't really feel that I can do that." You know, that those kind of things. Are you guys willing to keep on? being available, not just to step out once, but to keep stepping out. And so I want to encourage you guys in that, that it's not a thing, oh I just need to do this, it's actually just a lifestyle, it's a way of living, it's us as believers living a life led by him as opposed to led by anything else. The amazing thing and the beautiful thing is that it's in our stepping out, it's in our being available and continuing to step out that we lay hold of all That God has got for us and for the world around us. You see, if Philip hadn't stepped out, maybe Samaria would have been great. But Ethiopia wouldn't have been the same. That unit would not have been the same. See, our whole nation has changed because Philip stepped out and kept on stepping out. I remember when we felt called to go full-time, I spoke to Pete and I said, Pete, I thought the step out, because I didn't know this, I thought, it's like Pete, I thought the jump, the thing of faith, was us moving here without like anything and any support and doing that. I thought we were done. We'd just get here and it would be okay. And there'd just be some normal decisions, normal life. And Pete said to me, for those of you guys who don't know, Pete's the pastor of Destiny Edinburgh, which is where we've come out from. Um, and Pete said... No, I'm afraid it never ends. (laughs) That this is the life of living life with God, that we constantly are stepping out into places that is outside of our comfort zones often. Philip here, he's met this high-ranking official, right? He's met him on the road. And he may be thinking, man, a lot of people could be thinking this. I don't think Philip would have thought this, but people could be thinking, "Look, this is amazing, I met this guy, he's like big in this empire, maybe, maybe, maybe God that's what you're doing. I'm going to go with this guy back, I'm going to be in the palace and all this stuff and I can speak to these guys, you know, like like the imagination forward of what, what we could be doing. Someone in that position may have been thinking that and so when suddenly it's like bang and then he's gone, right? He baptizes the guy and then he disappears and he's fired away. And just sent away. There could be that kind of like, what on earth? What's going on? That was not what I was expecting, God. I thought we, would, I thought we were with Ethiopia at the moment, you know. He suddenly, we call it translated, right, don't we, when someone's just moved very quickly like that. And then the thing I love about that whole thing of him being moved quickly is that he then has to walk from town to town. And he had to walk to get there in the first place. So God didn't just pick him up and move Philip, okay, as like a thing of practicality. It wasn't just to save his legs, because God doesn't seem to be that bothered with that, because He tells him, to, you know, walk to that place, they carry on walking up the coast after it. So it's not a tool of practicality. It is a tool to glorify Christ. It's a tool to make that eunuch, remember, after he's taken and he doesn't see him anymore, what's the result? The eunuch rejoices at what he's encountered. It's kind of this thing sealing him in the wonder of the risen sun. There could be that thing if someone was in that with that kind of indignance and confusion of God, why not? I thought, you know, I thought we were Ethiopia bound, you know. I bought my sun hat, got my sunglasses, we were going to do this thing. That's what I thought we were going to do. But actually, Philip responds in a completely different way and he just carries on. Why is that? Because Philip isn't focused on his ministry and what he's doing and trying to build something that people look at him and say, "Well, wow, that's amazing. He's focused on Jesus. And we too, in everything we do, in our availability and our obedience and our stepping out, need to be focused on Jesus. See that whatever God does through us, or even like in that, I don't see it very often or hear about it very often, but God does something to him then, right? I don't think Philip's prepped for that. And... But even if God does something to us, and it would never be to harm us, but if there's something that happens in that place, that it is to glorify the Son. And our hearts, as well as being available, need to be hearts not set on our ministry, but set on glorifying him above all other things. And so this is the last point, really, that Philip is focused on Jesus. So in your availability, are you Jesus-focused? This is point three. Philip is focused on Jesus. Philip's focused on the king. And in fact, this whole story, if you think about the story, is actually like a mini gospel. And we see Jesus in it. It's almost like Jesus is this true and better Philip. The Philip gets sent from a, a city of success and joy. Remember, there's rejoicing in that city. Do you remember, it says, that we, we read about that, it ends in the previous sections where it says, and there was rejoicing in the city of Samaria. So Philip gets sent from this place of rejoicing, of happiness, of God's presence, being there, of amazing things, and he's sent to the desert road. And it's in the same way that Christ, from the city of heaven, you know, the great city, the place of rejoicing, of his presence, is sent to the desert wilderness of this world. And that you know, Philip is sent following the voice of God to meet the eunuch. Who's a eunuch? A eunuch is one. They can't have children because of manual procedures done to them without going into any more detail. But Philip is sent to speak to a eunuch, one whose body has been cut off from the ability to produce life. The the eunuch himself, he cannot produce life. There will be no more life that comes from him. Just as for us as humans is incapable we are incapable of producing eternal life that one man adam who sinned against god that we are all born into this separation it's like we are we are all the eunuch we're all in this place where we cannot reconnect with god himself and yet there is one jesus christ the one man who has come and who has in his death and life and resurrection on the cross who's seated now in heaven reconnects us to the Father. We've been cut off from God like the the eunuch has been cut off. So we're incapable of reconnecting by ourselves, by our efforts, by our works, by our abilities, by how good we are. It's only through Christ that he came to a people who were cut off from God. To a people in the desert, not just to tell them the words of hope and truth, the word of the gospel, like Philip goes. But see, Jesus is the word of life who goes out into the desert and calls those who, in the desert who are lost. You remember the one in the desert who is seeking him, that it is in him that we find eternal life. And in that punishment of sin on the cross, where we're able to reconnect with him, God grafts us whilst we've been cut off from God. God, in that moment, for those who call him king, for those who call him Lord, in him we are grafted back into the family of God. That's the challenge. or question today is, are you in the family of God today? Do you need, like the eunuch who was cut off from God seeking him to be reconnected to the God who made you. Philip lives this life Jesus focused and so as we come into land now in everything he does he's focused on glorifying Jesus that he put him above his own ambition he put him above his own welfare he puts him above he puts him above everything his own thoughts his own hopes and he steps out into the unknown, trusting him, trusting that the Holy Spirit is leading him to a place that would glorify the Son, Will glorify God. In your availability, are you Jesus-focused? Or are we wanting God to do something that in some way will glorify us? And so Philip speaks and he acts and it's all to tell of this gospel and lead people to this Jesus mm-hmm. and suddenly we have this disappearance after the baptism but bang he's gone and it's like this crescendo of the episode of the moment which culminates in Jesus being glorified that actually Jesus is glorified in him and his ministry as he goes up the coast of Israel. And then the eunuch as well. It says the eunuch rejoices. And I don't believe he's gone back to Ethiopia. With tales primarily of this great guy that he met. you know, Or of some, some new teaching that he's learned. But he goes back with the praises of Jesus on his lips. Because he's, he's found the truth. Remember that's what Philip shares with him. He's found the truth of the gospel. And he's seen the amazing and wonder power of God. But... All of this stuff, this whole episode, that whole story of Philip and the eunuch is only possible because Philip, right at the beginning, back in Samaria, was available and kept on being available. And so are you available today? Imagine, guys, the church that is totally available to God. And it's a challenge for us as Hong Kongers, right? People who live in Hong Kong. Hong Kongers, that we, um, we are ha- busy people. It's one of the big things, the challenges of the city. But we still need to learn how to be available amidst the busyness, even if it's the 10-minute diversion just to just to do something, to speak to people. Where within our workplaces, in our families, in the community, when we're out there in Starbucks or whatever, are we so available to God that he can say, take 10 minutes and go and share with that person. Go, take 10 minutes and... And that person you know who's desperately sad and lonely, go and speak to them. I need you to tell this to those people. Go to, go to Fish and Chip Shop, you know, that we are available for him. And just imagine, guys, the people coming to God, the things that would happen through the week if we were just available. And it's my hope that we come to a stage actually where we rock up on a Sunday to celebrate everything that's gone on through the week, that more people come to, know, come to Christ, that more people are healed, that more people are delivered and set free, that more people get wisdom for the challenges of their life through you, through the week, than through whoever's speaking up here on a Sunday. So guys, I can't wait to hear your stories, because you know it's not my job to do ministry and tell you about it on a Sunday. That's just not the job of the church, not the job of ministers, to minister. It's not my job to minister through the week. You guys go off, do whatever, and then I tell you about all the cool Christian stuff on a Sunday. My job is to prepare you guys to be ministers and to do the ministry of the church. See, you guys are the ministers of the church. My job is just to help and prepare you guys, and encourage you guys, and walk alongside you guys, and step out with you guys. So, for all of us, if we're going to impact Hong Kong, if we're going to transform Hong Kong, like, it's our, vi- like it's, it's our vision, right? Not just to have a little church and a little gathering on a Sunday, but actually to see Sai Kung transformed by the power of the gospel, to see Hong Kong itself, not just through us, but through all the churches in Hong Kong. Transform this city so that people in other cities of the world look at Hong Kong and think, wow, that's incredible. You know, like when people would visit um, Solomon and that city because the presence of God and the work of God was just so mighty in that place. So, guys, be available for those little things, for the 10 minute diversions to our day. And for some of you, it may be as well those massive, life changing, reorientating decisions for him. And so guys, let's be church and let's be those people available to him. My challenge for you guys today is are you available to him? Do you live lives of availability to him? Is are you in a place today where you're ready to start ministering have you maybe never thought of yourself as actually a minister like good enough or anything like that because i tell you today you are good enough to be his minister so if if you want to make a commitment today what i'm just going to ask you to do is put, put your put your hand up as everyone's eyes are closed and we're going to come around now and just pray in general for people but um, if you specifically want for you if you want to make a commitment to him and before him to be available to him I just want to encourage you guys put your hand up in the air it's just like a physical sign saying yeah that's me I want to do that God I'm for you God and I want to be available to you even in the little moments that's me thank you I'm just going to pray now. You pray it loud or you pray it under your breath. Is there anyone else who wants to say that? God, I just want to be available for you. Just make it almost a fresh declaration that that's me today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay, guys, I am going to pray. God, I'm going to pray, God, um, and just say this. We're after me or in your hearts however you feel comfortable Father God Lord I thank you that you are my God I thank you God that you are my salvation I thank you God that you paid the ultimate price so that I could be reconnected to you so that I could come back into the loving heart of that relationship in you and God I'm making a declaration and a decision today to be available for you In the busy times, in the good times, in the challenging times, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just speak to me, guide me, use me as one who is available for you and your glory. In your great and awesome name. Amen. And Father God, I just pray for each person that's raised their hand there, that 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 symbol, that that action of, God, I am standing for you. I will make myself available for you, Lord. I I thank you, God, for each of those decisions, Lord. And I thank you, God, for that seed planted in our own lives, God. And pray, Jesus, that the fruits, Lord would would grow and bloom from that, that we would see salvations, that we would see encouragement. Lord, I pray that where there is challenges in their ministering outside, God, guys, come and tell me about it. Bring it back. Let's work it out. This is practical, real life, awesome, world changing, city-changing, community impacting stuff. Lord, I thank you that you are at work in Sai Kung. I thank you, God, that you are at work In Hong Kong, Lord, and Lord, I thank you, God, that you choose to use your church and your people as your hands and your feet, God. Lord, we just, as a church, say, use us, God. We are available to you. We are available and we will keep on keeping on being available in in the easy things, in the uncomfortable things, God. In your great name, amen.